the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the Daily Wink. Goes out at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time, and everywhere in between. So glad to be together. We've got some great guests, as always, today and uh, on the program, and it's great to be with you. Also over at Pro-America Report. Sorry, I'm hitting the, hitting the mic here, everybody. I'll get yelled at later by Noah, our technical director, for being loud. But, uh, you know, what can you do? Um, and um, ProAmericaReport.com, uh, Pro you can listen to those interviews if you catch only a piece of it in the next few minutes. My friend Jack Cashel, a very good writer, is on with a book, a uh, new book called Unmasking Obama, which is going to be really good. I'll be interested to, to read that and talk to him about that. And also, of course, Dr. Brett Decker. Before we get to that, in this first segment of the program, what you need to know. I give you everything you need to know right here. It just I march right through it. Very simple for you. If you watch me on Periscope, you can um, you can see I do a Periscope segment every afternoon and I preview some of the things that I'll do right now. And so I go through that if you want to go there at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter and, uh, you know, share and like and pass that along. So today, what do you need to know? I want to run through a couple of things. There are the Republican conventions in full swing. I haven't seen much of it. I've been getting ready for the show here. I'll, I'll probably watch some of it on, on tape later, although to be honest, I don't really like I don't really like conventions. I liked being at the convention in 2016 in Cleveland, the Republican. I just don't like watching them all. I kind of watch them and think I wish they did better. Because right now, I can tell you, the Republicans are going to talk all about the stuff, some of the stuff the president did, but they're, 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 they're falling for the political consultants, you know, conversation. They're going to talk about this and that and the other thing. They should be doing red meat like America, you know, Americans, workers, they should be like red meat and they'll still be doing all these nuanced things. I don't know. Anyway, it'll, it'll probably be, it'll probably be impressive. And, but, but I'm glad the president earlier today, Receive the nomination of the Republican Party. No, no doubt in that, of course. But, uh, you know, still in the history of uh, of things that go on in politics and otherwise, there was talk about changing the vice president. It was always a dumb idea, I thought. And uh, and all these other things. And the reality was the, um, the you know, he got the nomination. And, and as they started out in Charlotte, it's mostly a business meeting. What you need to know is they had to go through that because there are procedures that require that you do these things for the nomination. You know. The Republican and Democrat parties are not legal. Uh, they're not the government. They're entities set up to nominate candidates, and you have to go through the procedures to become the nominee. Then you kick into the election system, the actual election, which is government run. So it was good, and I'm glad Pence was there. Pence deserves to be, um, you know, be treated well. He's been the honorable guy. You know, one thing I'll say, and what you need to know about these vice presidential things, when you have a big candidate, dominant candidate, incumbent candidate like Trump, the VP needs to be competent, needs to look and sound right, be loyal. And Pence does a great job. He's the best ever, maybe. He doesn't try to do anything over the top. I'm sure he's got, he's got strong views himself and he's got you know ambition for his future, but you get the sense he's a team player and Trump's the guy. On the other side, Biden, 
He's barely there. So Kamala Harris looks like something big. She looks like the person running the thing, looks like the president. And now it matters. It matters that she called Biden a racist. It matters that she's anti-Catholic, or at least that she doesn't like the Knights of Columbus. It matters that she's, you know, anti-life uh, and broadly pro-abortion. It matters on all these different things. You know, she, she put people away for drug possession, and then she bragged about smoking pot herself, which, uh, again, hypocrisy is not uh, unique to cods and politics, so you, nobody should get too surprised by that. But, you know, Biden, since the nomination Thursday night, he's been stumbling. The polling shows he got no bounce out of his convention. He lost popularity in key states and nationally. So it didn't help that he picked the African-American woman. It didn't help that he said nothing about his positions. He just talked about himself and his family. You know, you didn't hear any of the admissions last week that they're pro-abortion, that they're pro-illegal alien amnesty, that they're pro-tax increases, huge tax increases, you know, that they're pro-wars in the wars, wars all over the world. These are the Democrat positions. They didn't say anything about that. They just said, oh, there's a nice person over there. They have a nice person over here, a nice person there. They try to talk to the hyphenated Americans. Be very different this week, I can guarantee you. But since Biden's speech, you've seen he stumbled. And and here's the one that's killer. I mean, killer. President Trump honed in on it. You know, we talked about it on my show here on Wednesday. We talked about because I heard it on Tuesday and I said, that's big. And that is that the the Pledge of Allegiance on Tuesday night of the Democrat convention was, I think, a Native American. And as he did the pledge, he, he, he left space in the reading, the recitation of the pledge and didn't say under God. And you and I talked on last Wednesday. I said, this is a disaster for them. And President Trump's honed in on it. He's talked about it all weekend. It is a disaster. So here's what happens. When you have under God intentionally dropped from the convention, what do you do? You lie. The Biden campaign is lying. They said, oh, no, no, it was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. I watched it with my eyes. The guy looked up. He purposely didn't say the words under God. That was the point of what he did. It wasn't. Now they're lying. The Biden campaign is stumbling in the polls, lying about what happened. And remember, the entirety of Joe Biden's campaign is not it's it's based on a lie. Now, he stood up there and over the weekend he had to eat crow and eat the lie, because on Thursday night he stood up there and he said to America, to people like you and me who believe that this president, the current president, may be on the right side of things because he fights for Americans. Joe Biden looked at us and said, you are backing someone who thinks that neo-Nazis and and white nationalists are fine people. That's the Charlottesville hoax. And he recited it. And you know what happened over the weekend? BBC. Not exactly the conservative Fox News alternative in in England. BBC fact-checked the Charlottesville hoax. And you know what they said? Joe Biden's lying. So CNN won't say he's lying because they have invested in Joe Biden. Fox News, Greg Gutfeld over the weekend, he said he was lying. And in America, even PolitiFact had to show the transcript where President Trump did not say there were fine people who are neo-Nazis and white nationalists. He said there are fine people who wonder about whether we should take down all the monuments. There are fine people on both sides, he said, meaning some people hate Robert E. Lee's monument. I respect that. I disagree, but I respect that. If, if you're an African-American, and you look up and you think Robert E. Lee is a symbol of some kind of hate. I respect your feelings. I don't necessarily agree. Does that make both of us bad people? Any of us bad people? No. Joe Biden is lying to America in a way that hurts you and me and makes it really nasty, really unpleasant, really unkind. 
and he's stumbling. So he's stumbling. He thought this great lie would liberate him. He'd lie and everyone go, oh, wow, you're great. This is amazing. You're going to be a great president. Instead, he gets caught in the lie. He starts to stumble. He gets caught dropping under God. He starts to stumble. He does an interview with Kamala Harris. And they say, the Trump administration, Trump campaign is saying you're a diminished capacity. What do you think? And he goes, I and laughs. Very weird laugh. And then he says, I just watch me. Watch me. I'll serve two terms. Now, six months ago, he said I wouldn't serve two terms. Now he says he's going to serve two terms. Again, lying and, and, and hypocrisy in politics is not unique, and I don't care about that. What I care about is the lie that supposedly nice Uncle Joe, friendly Uncle Joe, is supposed to be a good guy. The lie he's telling about the Charlottesville hoax is the nastiest hoax of hate that America's ever seen. And it makes it so that people that watch CNN all the time, they actually think that you and me, if we support Trump, that we're racist. That's what they think, because that's what they're pounded into. It's pounded into their head by the fake news. It's nasty and it won't win. It's why Biden's going to lose in a landslide. I mean, a landslide. There's a poll out that says New York is Biden. Biden's only winning by five points in New York. I'm not sure I believe it. But if it's true, it's a landslide. You understand what's happening to land? No normal American looks up and says, huh, Kamala Harris seems mean. She seems angry. She seems only appointed to the VP position because she was an African-American woman, supposedly. She's then said now she says she's Indian, Jamaican or something. She's trying to get different hyphen, hyphenated action in there. And the American people are going, yeah, I don't think so. I think Trump tweets too much. I mean, I don't. I love how much he tweets, but they're going to say, but I'm still going to vote for the guy that's on my side. That's where that's going. All right. One last point. You're watching this morning uh, the news that sort of details of the president uh, and the administration designating school teachers as essential workers, meaning that they can go to work. They can't be messed with by local authorities. They get PPE ahead of people. In other words, teachers are so important at this moment in this crisis. You can't mess with them. Get them back to work. And you know what? The teachers union president came out and said, uh, uh, what's she going to say? She, is she going to say teachers aren't essential? The teachers unions in America, the unions have asked for Black Lives Matter, Medicare for all, illegal amnesty for illegal aliens as part of going back to school. Doesn't sound like teaching. It sounds like unions, Democrat unions. And the teachers union president said, well, um, yeah, we think we're essential and important, but um, it should have been done sooner. What? I'm telling you that the, the, the damage to the teachers unions because they don't understand that Americans want to figure out the risks manage the details and get back to school. They don't want to be frozen by fear. And what you need to know is what's happening across this whole country is people are seeing through the stumbling lies of the left and they're seeing the possibility of a better future. That's where we are. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will talk with our old friend, Dr. Brett Decker, and also, as I mentioned, Jack Cashel, uh, an author and an old friend of mine. Just a moment. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Old friend of mine, Jack Cashel, who lives over in Kansas City, and he's a, a prolific writer. He's a Emmy Award-winning documentary producer. He's uh, the ed- executive editor of Ingram's Magazine. Uh, he's written a gazillion books. Uh, maybe that's a little too many, maybe like 10 or something more than that. Um, he's got a Ph.D. And over in Kansas City, there would be groups of people, various different ways that Jack would pull people together to talk not just about politics, but about uh, how to say like deeper subjects, kind of 
of salons of people discussing things. Very impressive. And he's old friend. Well, he's got a book out that's called Unmasking Obama. And when he sent me this, I said, oh, my gosh, I got to get you on the show right away, because effectively, as the Durham report or whatever is coming out, we're finding out Obama was in the middle of this thing. So first of all, welcome back. Uh, welcome, Jack Cashel. It's been a long time. I hope you're well. And thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And yes, uh, he was in the middle of it. And, you know, given the way book publishing works, you know, my deadline was, the, you know, quite a while ago. So what I decided to do with the whole Russia collusion hoax, and I knew more information would come out after I had uh, finished writing, was to examine what was Obama's role in the midst of all of that. And at the time, no one was talking about that because they presumed it was his underlings who were doing it. But he was always aware of what was going on. And he set the table, uh, you know, especially starting with the uh, Hillary exoneration, when he provided the uh, the uh, the negligent language, not the, uh, you know, the language where she was, you know, intentionally being, uh, you know, disregarding State Department protocols. Right. But it was just happenstance. And, and then uh, uh, Peter Stroke actually was one who picked up on exact language that Obama used. And they overrode the uh, the law that would have put her in prison. And the next thing you know, Stroke was moved on to the uh, uh, <laughs> crossfire hurricane, uh, the big operation yeah. where they were going to take down Trump. Yeah, we're talking with Jack Cashel. And, and again, I mentioned uh, you can find all of Jack's writings and links to his books. It's www.cashel.com. That's C-A-S-H-I-L-L, Cashel.com. All right, Jack, so the book unmasking obama and uh, and the subtitle the fight to tell the true story of a failed presidency and while while i want to tell that story of the failed presidency i feel like what i really want to know is in the last four months november 2016 until the end of january when when obama walks out do we do we yet know will we ever know how badly because in that period of time we have uh, Susan Rice liter and 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 right. um uh, uh Samantha Powers literally unmasking dozens and dozens of American citizens which means for the for people that don't pay attention as closely as you or I that they were in all of the classified documents they were saying um we need to know who who uh, uh you know person X is so we can see what that means and then in the documents they then didn't put person X they put General Flynn. And the next thing you know, right. those documents all get leaked because they got sent around. In those four months, from November till January of 2016 and 17, will we ever find out what Obama really was doing? I would say probably not. I mean, the people who are expecting a definitive answer are bound to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going to mm -hmm. see in this election cycle, Ed, which is even uh, more uh, frightening, is that the uh, Joe Biden to the degree that he's capable of doing something, uh, will pretend that there was no, uh, uh, that the uh, Mueller report never came out, that the, the scam right, was right, right. That He'll pretend that the Russia collusion thing was real, and his audience won't know any difference. Because Durham and Barr could come out tomorrow with prosecutions of a dozen top uh, you know, FBI or CIA agents and the media would probably not report it, or they would report it this way. And you know how it works. Uh, Republicans mm -hmm. say, without evidence, you know, that's, that sort of thing, you know. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I will say, you know, Phyllis Schlafly, your mentor, she was, uh, she understood this before anyone else did. She, I remember when she came out and endorsed Donald Trump early, you know, mm -hmm. and people yeah. uh, said, why, why was she doing that? Because 
I think she understood that Trump was that the only one capable of uncovering all this madness, you know? Well, and, and again, we're talking with Jack Cashel, Cashel.com, his website, a lot of his writings. And, and so now broad, more broadly to the book, I, I thought you were going to say something else that Phyllis, um, Phyllis uh, Schlafly, as you mentioned, my old uh, uh, mentor, she wrote a book, No Higher Power, Obama's War on Religious Freedom. And that was published yes. in July of 2012. You know, to your point about unmasking Obama, the true story of his presidency, there was a lot more people, you know, the, even of the even among the political class, there's a there's a failure you to remember how much uh, Obama was doing. And, and I guess it, that must be part of what got you thinking about your book, because you, you need to we need to constantly remind people and reeducate about what the reality was. Right. The reality was, you know, they, they uh, claimed that the administration was scandal free, which is ridiculous uh, when you look at right. the scandals. But I like books Ed, with heroes uh, rather than just like negative <laughs> books about Obama. And so the heroes in my book, and I identify about 40 of them by name, are the individual reporters, most of them citizen journalists, half of them unpaid, who uh, went out and unearthed all the major scandals of the Obama administration and forced them at least somewhat into the public consciousness to the point where the major media had to at least deny them or, uh, you know, but things like Fast and Furious, the IRS Tea Party scandal, which got Obama reelected, uh, Benghazi, all of these things came from the ground up, from guys and, you know, I just, for one, just like, the one story I like is it's so simple, and because everyone in your audience could do this, and the phrase I use is uh, samizdat, which is the Russian term for the underground press that fought the Soviet state during the years of Soviet domination, and Mm -hmm. this guy... He's a, his name's Rich Weinstein. He's a financial advisor, suburban Philadelphia, middle-class guy. He's, he believes Obama because he told him 30 times that if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. And then he gets the email. So, sorry, you lost your health care plan and you lost your doctor. So he says, how did this happen? And what he does is he goes online and he looks up, this is just simple, on Google, architects, Obamacare. He finds a guy named Jonathan Gruber. Then he goes on YouTube, and he looks for Jonathan Gruber videos, right? And then he finds mm-hmm. this incredible video of Jonathan Gruber, the Obamacare architect, saying how it was only on the stupidity of the American people and the failure and the lack of transparency that they were able to get this thing passed, right? So he goes mm-hmm. to the New York Times with this video, and they turn him down. They're not interested, right? <laughs> so he then wow. he works it up through the Samizdat, up through the, the conservative media chain, until the point where it finally services and the media have to deal with it. And then Gruber gets hmm. called in front of a Congress and he's forced to grovel. But nonetheless, the bill got passed because they believe in the stupidity of the American people and they, they got enough of them stupid enough uh, to pass that legislation. We're talking with Jack Cashel and, and his book, uh, which is, uh, I, Jack, I think I think you can order a hard copy, but I ordered the Kindle. I don't know if it's only Kindle, but you go to Cashel.com, no, no, you can find copy. out more. Yeah, any, place, any place you buy books should okay, be good. available. It's, yeah. Okay. 
I bought mine on I bought mine on uh, on Kindle because I wanted to read it faster because I know I was going to talk to you. I'm not all the way through it, but but Jack, um, I want to go back to what you just said about these heroes in the book. And I and I'm yeah. I'm reading I'm reading actually I'm listening to it on Audible. Um, Hate Inc. by Matt Taibbi, and and he basically yes. is writing as a as a reporter who covered the 2016 election, and in some sense he fell for all the same jive that the media did. And he basically he's basically saying the media is full of of of, of malarkey, and their whole business model is to distort so that they can get clicks and make money and it's very interesting right. he ba- by the end of it you th- by the end of the book and i'm about two-thirds of the way through his the hero of his book is basically journalists who buck the media because and don't do the media thing and i guess my my question to you jack you've been a documentary producer and a writer for decades and decades what is the future when fox news doesn't tell the truth nor does cnn and and certainly not MSNBC. How do we have a? And, and if you go to the, if you say I'm going to follow the good guys on Twitter or social media, the big tech has control over the uh, over that. Yeah. I mean, what is yeah. the future here? Well, that's a good question. In fact, I cite to Eb in the book because uh, he he made this one. Uh, I you know from Hate Inc. He made a very good point. He goes, it's a bad look when the journalists uh, take a side. But when they take a side with the FBI and the CIA, it's a particularly bad look, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. But your question is a good one. Uh, in 2016, let's look at the look what happened in 2016. They had on their side all the social media giants. They had every network except Fox and Fox's, you know, sometimes wishy-washy. They had all mm-hmm. the, every single newspaper in the country, all the major magazines, Hollywood, the academia. <laughs> You know, Silicon Valley, Broadway, TV, against the Samistad, against uh, a, uh, as one guy said, a coalition of willing Lilliputians, right? And the Lilliputians won. The question is, Hmm. can we do it again? You know? Do we always have to fight this fight, you know, from the trenches while they're uh, dropping A-bombs on us from overhead? You know, it's going to be a battle. And shows like your own, everyone who spreads this message as part of this Omnipot. They're part of the reason why we won in 2016 and part of the reason why we'll win again in 2020, barring, you know, some massive vote fraud. Yeah, well, Jack Cashel, it's a good book, Unmasking Obama, The Fight to Tell the True Story of the Failed Presidency, available in hardcover and Kindle anywhere. And also go to Cashel.com. You can, if you, I do this, I used to do this even more. I like to buy books now, but you can read almost all of uh, Jack's stuff there and you'll get a sense of a lot of what he probably put in his book too. But Cashel.com, C-A-S-H-I-L-L.com. Thanks, Jack, for the time. We'll talk again soon. Uh, keep me on a, a, a short list. Give me a call when you hear something. I, I'd appreciate talking to you. Okay, super, Ed. Thanks for have me on anytime all right we'll take a quick break be right back ed martin here on a pro america report back in a moment this is the pro america report on the answer san diego welcome back ed martin here on a pro america report our next guest is our old friend dr brett m decker the new york times best-selling author member of the united usa today uh editorial page board of advisors professor at defiance college and retired journalist for the Wall Street Journal as well as the Washington Times. Welcome back, Dr. Decker. How are you? Oh, good. You know, fall is, start, fall is in the air, so it's my favorite season. I don't know if it is oh, good. Football, just, but, but we'll see. No, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, before we get to any serious subject, this is as serious as they come. Did you know that when Barack Obama bought the Hawaiian home of the famous... Um, 
Detroit Tigers fan, uh, Thomas Magnum. Did you know that happened, first of all? Uh, yeah, and they knocked it down. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. I didn't know if you knew that. Yeah, yeah, I just found out they knocked it down. I can't believe they shouldn't. You know, they shouldn't have been allowed to knock down Mount Vernon. They shouldn't have been allowed to knock, knock down the uh, the Magnum PI house. I mean, I can't believe this happened. Did, was there not a outcry from someone? Uh, you know, I, I was going to I was going to start a change dot org petition. You know, but <laughs> I don't know. I got like three three people supporting it. <laughs> didn't come together i don't know i just thought it was uh what I mean, the um do you know what the, hey, do you know what the name of the, the do you know what the name of the they, yeah what do you know the name uh, of the know, residence before you tell uh i'm trying to remember what it is but you know they broke all these environmental laws uh yeah i don't know there's t- so, so the there's turtles that are build up their new mansion yeah and, and uh you know well, a retaining wall that's sort of helping the the beach disappear and everything so you know yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. As Democrats always, uh, always insist. Well, there's a pack of turtles or something. There's a, it's I'm no kidding. It's I looked. I read about this more than I should one night last week. It's a. It is a um, ancient. No kidding. Ancient uh, turtle bed or something for turtles that are, are traditional to the Hawaiian uh, native culture or something. But I want to point out that the beachfront estate owned by Robin Masters. It was called the Robin's Nest. There you have it. So oh, yeah. I just want to make sure that you. Um, all right. So back to something serious now. Did you watch much of the Democrat convention? I mean, and, and so maybe I'll ask it differently. I suspect you didn't watch much of it, but you've seen a million of these. Obviously, virtual conventions are a hassle and not going to work very well. But still, what was your impression of the Democrat convention and how they handled sort of Biden slash messaging? OK, well, first, I'll have to disagree with you, but then I'll move on. I think Hawaiian turtles not so important. But anyway. <laughs> Okay. Well, All right, good. That's it. Um, I, it. I thought. I mean, the con- the convention was boring. I tried to watch it. I kept falling asleep. And and mm-hmm. um, I, Laura Ingram called it the uh, Democratic National Telethon, and I thought that was perfect. I mean, I you know everything was awkward. Every, they'd have a speech, and it would be done, and they, you know there's no applause. They're in they're in like an airplane hangar with nobody in it. And then there was always delays, like they would put in canned applause, like they used to have on game shows and stuff. But there'd be a delay, so the speaker would sit there awkwardly, not knowing what to do. And then there'd be, a, you know, a, like awkward silence, and then canned applause. It's like pre-recorded or whatever. Um, and then like a spouse would walk out or something, and then there's social distancing, <laughs> so they wouldn't hug. I mean, every that was just like. <laughs> I, I almost felt yeah. bad for them, you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, they, they know it's important for them to push the hysteria. So even for the, even though everybody there has supposedly been tested and everything, they still won't do a natural thing like a handshake or, oh, my gosh, I just put mm-hmm. you um, in line to be the president in a year after I'm declared <laughs> like incom- mentally right. incompetent, right? You know, maybe hug the guy, you know? I mean... <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. Kamala is, it, 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 Kamala is it, it, like it was, one bad press conference from being president, and she doesn't give the guy a hug. I, it just it seems so phony. Yeah. It was um, it was uh, particular. I mean, again, though, phony in phony in politics is just a matter of not doing it well enough. But but here, here's what I want to ask you. 
You, you wrote a famous memo, which I don't know why is not published in like on a, its own website to be referred to before years before two years, three years before President Trump, Donald Trump ran for president. You said, if you're going to run for president in this environment, here's the way you'd have to run. And you identified Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, the Rust Belt. And you talked about how the issues fit together because you knew the China question. Your book about Obama, the, the title was Bowing to Beijing, the Obama policies of giving in to Beijing. So all last week, four days, I would have thought there was a safe way for the Democrats to not alienate the LGBT and the hyphenated Americans and talk about the fact that they're going to try to, for example, bring back jobs. I mean, almost steal from Trump what was the most effective thing about his rhetoric as well as his policies then in office, which was we're going to take on China so they don't steal our jobs. We're going to build up the kinds of manufacturing jobs that we know we can get. We're going to limit illegal immigration. Even if Biden had to concede he wants amnesty for all the illegal aliens here, he could have said something like, we're not going to let any more come. I mean, that's a palatable position, I think, in the Democratic Party, or maybe it used to be. They didn't say a single thing about any of those policy issues that talked to the Decker memo. How can they win the states in the in the in the in, you know at the center of the, of the Rust Belt when they don't speak any of those issues that are where most of those people live? You know, and, and also I, I agree, and you know they. The fact that everyone's burning cities down, well, most Americans, especially in the Midwest, don't agree with that. They, and that's a hot potato they definitely don't want to touch because their rabid left-wing base, you know, supports uh, looting and arson. So, you know, the the, the thing is, they, they really don't get it. Even the people that vote they're going after, like all this pandering for the black vote, well, here's the thing is, until coronavirus... Right. I mean, black employment, black unemployment was the lowest it's ever been. So the Trump economy was working great. And same with Hispanic employment. Right. So the, the, the Trump economy was working great for minority American Americans for minorities. And, and they know that. Right. So they remember mm-hmm. things were going well. Um, I, there are a lot of polls showing that that Trump's like part like Trump's black supports tripled since four years ago. So, you know, the Democrats, everything there was all this, you know, race after race after race. And, and you know, to, to me, like, I I don't think the black the black vote is more sophisticated than just being pandered to like that. Right. I mean, they think on as far as checkbook issues in the economy as well. Right. I mean, they just don't want blood on the streets and cities to burn to feel vindicated. They they want jobs. They want their kids to have schools like everybody else. Right. I mean, so right. I think I think the 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 convention by over pandering they're also i mean they they're they're treating by over overly focusing on race they're offending people that they're trying to attract and I, and i and i think i think it was just a big disaster well, i mean yeah. the, the only thing well, in their favor is nobody was really watching it so they minimized who they could offend <laughs> yeah i mean and and but i guess my back to my back to why what i'm saying to you and i think we're saying the same thing is you know politics 
campaigns can be difficult because there's a certain moment where you're going to have to look at a certain subset of the group and say, hey, you know you like me better than the others, but I got to go over here and communicate a different message, right? So in other words, he could have, he could have turned to the LGBT and said, you've just had two-thirds of the, of the airtime on the prime time, but I got to go over here and talk to the working guy in Pittsburgh and, and, and the one in Ohio and Michigan, and I have to figure out a way to talk about what I'm going to do regarding the fracture jobs, right? Because that's how you win by 44,000 in Pennsylvania. And they didn't try any of it. They didn't. I mean, it's incredible to me how uh, incompetent it was. Joe's a good guy. Don't you think he's a good guy? Doesn't he seem like a good guy? And I don't know. That doesn't I don't think that works in 2020. I might maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Joe's a good guy. He supported abortion for 50 years. What a fantastic person, right? I mean, the the you know, I, I was looking at numbers recently because I was worried about it. There are 200,000 more Republicans registered to vote in Pennsylvania than four years ago. That, that made me feel a little better. But, yeah, these pocketbook mm-hmm. issues, right? The thing about, like, jobs and the economy is, you know, in Democrats, it's just how tone deaf they are, is Americans know they were doing well until the government shut them down or their state government shut them down or whoever shut them down. They're not blaming Trump for that, right? Everyone said, like, people don't blame Trump for coronavirus, at least as far as the economy goes. So, you know, if you're looking at the Democrats saying, hey, trust us, everyone knows they're the party of overregulation. They're the party of the federal government intervening in your local community and your business and more. So that's not going to make people feel comfortable. Like, oh, okay, government just ruined my life this summer. Let's have more of that, you know? So um, I think it. As long as Trump starts hitting things hard and saying, look, remember where we were before the coronavirus. Let's go back to that. Things were good. And I'm the one that made life better for you and I can do it again. That's a winning message as long as you hit it comprehensively and also smartly. You know, I I want I listened to this Trump before one of the I think it was before Kamala's speech last week or maybe before Biden's Trump did an interview with Sean Hannity and he sounded the most prepared and the most precise and the most direct I've, I think I've heard him in uh, several years. So, you know, if that's a sign of Trump to come for the next couple months, I think that's good. You know, he needs to put in the effort, be prepared, have the facts at hand and, and attack. And, and he did that in the Hannity interview. It was really good. So hopefully, hopefully he kind of continues to bring it like that. One more question, Dr. Decker. We're talking Brett Decker. Uh, seriously, I'm being totally serious. Uh, football in the fall did you know that the, the, the Big Ten Conference incorporated a 501c3 organization under the laws of America and Illinois, meaning they don't pay taxes, that you can give them money at deductibility? The Board of Governors who decided to do that includes the Board of Governors made up of the president universities. The president and chairman of the board receives, according to the 2018 filings, his name is Morton Shapiro, president of, NY, of, of Northwestern University also. He receives $2.1 million for being the chair of the, of the Big Ten Conference, Inc. Now, I, I, do these people understand that by canceling football on a secret phone call that no one heard or knows what the vote was, and all across Pennsylvania, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, um, um, where else is out there, uh, uh, Iowa, that there is going to be a riot 
in America. And they're going to you're going to see of those 10 or 15 Big Ten conference uh, uh, presidents. I bet you half will lose their jobs. How stupid was this the way they did it? Forget about what they did the way they did it. Well, also, the Big Ten commissioner, Warren, who, you know, who he makes tw- who is the most 20 million correct guy. His kid yeah. is playing football at Mississippi State. So, oh, it's, his kid can play, but Big Ten schools can't. You know, it's, it's a reminder, one, how much profit there is in nonprofits. But, you know, I think there's no football in, in the Midwest um, and in Pennsylvania. Uh, I mean, this could help deliver a Michigan and Wisconsin for Trump because people are going to go crazy with no football. I don't, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with yeah. no football. You know, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I All right, Trump got my well, vote. I think Trump got my vote on, over <laughs> right there. Finally. All right. I got to run too much time. Thank you. As always, Dr. Brett M. Decker, uh, Dr. Decker, a New York Times bestselling author, professor. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, uh, Brett. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Parents are wondering about their children as the coronavirus looms over so many institutions. Lost jobs and pay cuts have changed the dynamic of the family for many. Some families were reduced to one income or no income at all. Some parents were unable to pay for their child's daycare. Others are concerned about sending their children to daycare because of the virus. Now some are pushing for the government to provide free daycare for families hurt by the virus. Like other Americans, I sympathize with the many families who've suffered financially from the coronavirus. However, asking the government to solve this problem by opening government-run child care centers would only cause more issues. There was a push for government-run daycare in the late 1980s and 1990s. Feminists wanted the federal government to provide free child care centers similar to the public school system. The late Phyllis Schlafly fought against this feminist push because she knew taxpayer-funded daycare would infringe upon the rights of parents who chose to stay home with their children. Parents have a right to choose whether they want their children in daycare or not. They should not feel that they must place their child in daycare, nor should they have to pay extra taxes for the daycare of other people's children. During these uncertain times, this is especially important. Parents are worried about what illnesses their children might pick up at a daycare center. Even in 1989, Dr. Reed Bell, a Pensacola pediatrician, stated, Children in daycare, especially infants and toddlers, are at increased risk for acquiring and spreading infectious diseases compared to children not in daycare. Dr. Bell also explained the risk these many diseases brought to families, especially mothers. Phyllis Schlafly advocated for America to reject calls for government-run daycare in favor of a child care tax credit. Its funds allow parents to make their own decisions for their children and families. President Trump agreed with Phyllis on the importance of the child care tax credit, which is why he made sure the amount families received doubled with his massive 2017 tax cuts. Parents have a right to decide if daycare is the best option for their child and their family. Government-funded daycare centers would infringe upon the choices parents have and heighten the risk of contagions like coronavirus. Let's give more power back to the parents. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. You've seen the desperation of women's marches, the disgrace of Planned Parenthood, the rise of savvy young conservative women. Radical feminism is heading down a dead-end road. Voice your opinion on what's really important to women at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
Welcome back, Ed Martin. Thank you for listening. As always, the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. Check things out. I just got a quick hit. I went along with those interviews. You can get any of those interviews you hear over at ProAmericaReport.com. Hey, listen, I'm going to start to do a segment. Tonight is the uh, first night of the Republican convention. I'm sh- they're doing a pretty good job. I'm not watching a lot of it. I, I like the big speeches to tune in. But I got to tell you, the thing that I believe, one thing, not the thing, one thing that I believe that must occur in the next 70 days or so is to communicate all of the policy, conservative policy successes of the Trump Pence administration. In other words, we need a vision for the future. You're going to hear the president talk about that this week, about what he cares about. You've already heard Biden. He's got no vision for the future. In my opinion, he's got a vision about he hates Trump and, and hyphenated Americans rule. But I, we need a vision for the future that's coming. But we also need to say, um, what'd you do? What did you do? You ran and what'd you do? You won. What'd you do? Promises made. Okay. What promises kept? What were they? And I'm going to start doing a segment called Promises Made, Promises Kept. And we're going to go through, I'm going to just go through policy things. And we'll be frank about it. There's a couple of places. Here's a promise made. Build the wall. Promise kept. Well, 350 miles. Need more like 800 miles. But has there ever been a president that from the beginning has talked more about building the wall? Had to fight his own party? His own party full of people like Paul Ryan and, and, and Mitch McConnell, who did gazillions of dollars in tax cuts, but wouldn't clear the way for the funding for the wall. And so that was dumb, I admit, and I think it's a failure. But the president, despite that, he went and he said, I'm going to use this money and that money. I'm going to make sure people realize that it is a national security crisis. Therefore, I've got to do this. And so we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And the fact is, he's done that more than anybody could have ever expected and that's a promise made and a promise kept incomplete needs more fine but it's on the on its way so we're going to spend some time on promises made promises kept because if you get a sense of what happened for four years not what happened for the last four minutes on twitter i think you have a different perspective all right thanks for listening thank you to our great uh, technical director noah for keeping us online joanna for booking the guests and you for listening we'll be back tomorrow night it's ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then